Uh, welcome once again to more football. I'm Adnan Burke alongside Richard Johnson, Vox Lombardi. We're thrilled to be with you as always. There's lots of great topics to get to. You know, last week we started off with Vox bragging about his Cowboys. I feel like, you know, into every life some rain must fall. Vox, what happened to Dak Prescott and company? Listen, that wasn't Dak's fault, but the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, where's the D in Big D? Listen, I know you all love to see it. You love to see the Cowboys fall, but we play 16 games for a reason. Our time will come. If anything, we got in the cage with the MVP of the league, Russell Wilson. What more can you say? We'll probably talk, you know, just more about him later. But, you know, I just have a lot more respect for him. Like, I had respect for him, but that dude's incredible now. He's doing things now that he's never done before, and he whooped up on my little Dallas defense. But Rain Dakota Prescott was right there in the ring with him. We'll see him again. I will say, Vach, if they're going to play 16 games like that, I'll be tuning in because the, that little Cowboys defense can't stop a nosebleed so far. So those games are going to be fun. And, and I appreciate Vach did not mock the Eagles, who in a pathetic display had to settle for a home tie against the Bengals. The chief offensive line, by the way, has many receiving touchdowns as the Eagles wide receivers now this season. So that's awesome news as the Eagles welcome the 49ers this weekend. Richard, I want to start with you, though, and – COVID-19, we talked about earlier in the year, you know, what was going to happen when someone would test positive. Now we have our answer. In the case of the Tennessee Titans, you've got not only players, but also personnel testing positive. And yet the NFL is saying the games must go on. Thank for the good news for what we're hearing is that the guys that have tested positive are asymptomatic. But clearly now we see what the protocol is. An abundance of caution, shut down the facilities, do contact tracing, and figure this thing out. And hopefully the game can be played on Sunday, if not maybe Monday. Yeah, this last week has been a pretty big stress test for the NFL's contact tracing initiatives. Let's go back to Saturday night when the Falcons had a player test positive, and then they, they contact traced, tested all the Falcons, realized that the Falcons uh, were completely negative, and unfortunately for the Falcons, they actually had to play a football game on Sunday. We know that uh, a lot of these NFL teams are wearing things on their wristband, futuristic technology. It, it shows who you come in contact with, who you're uh, within six feet of. So it, it, it's a little bit easier to contact trace. It helps them contact trace. Uh, we're glad that the Vikings, who the Titans played on Sunday, nobody's positive uh, so far uh, for the Vikings. And so the Vikings can go on. Uh, the show, yes, it does go on in the NFL. Uh, they are hoping to play the game on Sunday, but the contingency plan is Monday. So we cross fingers. We hope all the Titans stay healthy uh, and, and get over this on the other side of this. And, and they'll be back to football as well. Absolutely. And if anything, we just learned lessons. Earlier I said baseball had to sit for us to fly. So now we're just gathering information and just gathering evidence. So it's not happening during the game. So if we're safe during practice and we're safe during the game, now we take this and learn how can we be better post-game. And if anything, if you get three good weeks of non-COVID, you may get a little comfortable. You may say, okay, cool, we can lax up here. But with this happening, it should be a message for the other teams that, hey, this is going to be a long process, and we should be steadfast in it. And it's a great point, Vaj, because that's what happened with baseball is that you had the issues of the Marlins and the Cardinals. Maybe everybody wasn't following the true rigidity of protocol. One situation arises, you tighten up protocol, everybody bought in. There's been no positive cases in Major League Baseball for 25 days now. The playoffs are happening, so they figured it out. You're right. The NFL now hopefully, all right, here's a hiccup. Bottom line is this, so far the football has been great, but in very few situations, this is the first situation. People learn from it, tighten things up, and like I said, hopefully the Titans will be out there playing football. Honestly, though, we just got to tip our caps to all the healthcare workers out there doing such a great job managing this entire unprecedented time in this virus, and honestly tipping our cap to all of the NFL for making things happen and allowing us to play football. Speaking of tipping the cap, 
trying something new here on more football. We want to give some love here to some people in some different situations. Rich, start us off with someone who you want to tip your cap to. Yeah, I'm tipping my cap to the three women who are on the sideline and on the field in an official capacity uh, on Sunday during the Washington-Cleveland game. Callie Brownson, Chief of Staff for the Cleveland Browns. Jennifer King, an intern who works with the Washington offense and the running back room. Uh, and, and Sarah Thomas, who's a referee. The, those three women on, on an official capacity were on the field in an NFL game on Sunday. That is progress for the league. There will be a day where we will not have to call this out. I truly believe there will be a day where this is normal and and, and it's just par for the course another Sunday and, and women are all over staffs in the NFL. But until we get there, it is noteworthy and we should call it out and we should tip the cap. Congratulations, ladies. Amen. We've talked a lot about racial inequality so far as a contributor. Gender inequality still exists. And anytime you can make the sport more inclusive, I can't imagine anybody wouldn't be all for that. So that's an excellent job by you to salute those. Certainly doing a fantastic job. I'm tipping my cap to Nick Foles. That's right. The Eagles are so bad. I have to mention former Eagles. And Nick Foles comes off the bench, the Chicago Bears. After Mitchell Trubisky, he looks like the mess that he is. They say, you know what? We've had enough here. I, like, I give. Also, I'm saluting my cap by the way to Matt Nagy. Having the guts to say, you know what? I'm making a decision here. Foles comes in, does what Nick Foles does. As a starter, who knows how it works out? Maybe we haven't seen the last of Mitchell Trubisky as a Bears quarterback. But for now, Foles has got to be the guy. He was fantastic in leading the Bears to the victory. 3-0 they are right now because when Nick Foles comes in, he certainly ignites the offense, and he's the catalyst, and he certainly has that confidence about himself. He's, he's instant energy. He's like Vinnie Johnson, the microwave, back in the day in the NBA. Props to Nick Foles. Vach, who are you saluting your cap to? I'll tell you what, news and media people, we love mess and controversy and storylines and drama, but Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have not hurt each other yet. There have been no rumors. There have been no evil. There has been no no trade talk. So shouts out to those guys for just keeping it together and putting together a positive product in the, in the Green Bay Packers. Whenever Aaron Rodgers is good, I will say that the NFL is a great place because all these young quarterbacks just coming in and taking over all the shine. Aaron Rodgers has to represent for the old men. And with the Minnesota Vikings not really being around to contend with them, then their division is wide open. So the Green Bay Packers go from a team that we're making fun of to they may be a one-seed type situation. So I, I think the league is better with more good teams. Well, let's talk further about the Packers here, guys. They're the first team in NFL history, 35 or more points and zero turnovers each of their first three games of the season. First team in franchise history. Also, Richard, Green Bay did not commit a turnover in their first three games. It's one thing to put up points, but you often get a little bit of risk and reward, a couple of interceptions, you put the ball on the ground. They're not turning the ball over and yet being awfully prolific, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones, Green Bay is getting it done. Yeah, I, I was pretty wrong about Green Bay uh, coming into the season, particularly during our season preview special. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know that the offense w was going to look this good. It didn't seem like it was structured to Aaron Rodgers' complete strengths. It seemed like it, it wasn't gelling, it wasn't meshing. But Chris Collins were told you on Sunday night that, that uh, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur had a heart-to-heart -heart all summer long and, and ripped out what wasn't working in the playbook and, and kept what did. And it sure looked like it, particularly on Sunday night against the Saints. They were in, uh, you know, they were going back and forth with the Saints. The Saints finally broke serve. That Packers defense was able to come up with a turnover, and you know, Packers just boat raced them to a win. So, yeah, right now, Packers, absolutely. We, we sort of thought they were going to be one of the two uh, in the NFC North, of course, but with the Vikings sort of self-destructing so far through the season, uh, yeah, it, it looks like the Packers are the class of the NFC North.
And, and also, just the fact Matt LaFleur now, 16-3 start tied for the best ever after 19 games by any coach in league history. People are looking at that situation going, all right, big shoes to fill there with Mike McCarthy moving on after the Packers had to make that decision. Aaron Rodgers isn't happy. So far, Matt LaFleur certainly has done a great job there in Green Bay. To zone. More live football than anyone else. Stream exclusive Premier League and UEFA Champions League. Stream every NFL game, including the Super Bowl. Plus, exclusive Red Zone. Showing you every touchdown, every Sunday. DAZN. Start your free trial at DAZN.com and stream on multiple devices. More live football than anyone else. D-A-Z-N. DAZN. Well, an admirable move by Richard just seconds ago, admitting where, listen, he was wrong when it came to the Green Bay Packers. But now we go back to throwing our necks out there and being confident with our words and making bold assertions, okay? So when it comes to taking a stand, I am convinced that, finish the rest of the sentence. Richard, how would you finish that off? I'm convinced that. I'm convinced that Drew Brees' arm strength issues is a legitimate issue. I mean, this it, it looks like it's sort of December Drew Brees already in September, and, and that makes me a little bit queasy. It, it's not like he can't make any throw, and I do think there's a lot of value to having Drew Brees with the Saints, particularly in how he's able to you know call out protections and make sure that offensive line is right, uh, and he still is making good decisions with the football. He's not like he's making bad decisions with the football, but you see it marginally with some of the throws that Drew Brees is sort of struggling on. I mean, there was a quick hitch that he one-hopped. It was like an eight-yard throw across the field, and I'm like, I don't know about that. Of course, Drew Brees has never had the most arm strength of any quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is always going to be a guy who's going to be able to wing the pig better than him. Uh, Drew Brees is is his decision-making and his accuracy is his strength, and I think that is why he's able to kind of keep it between the navigational beacons while the arm strength is falling off. But if, if the best offense the Saints have is let's hope Alvin Kamara breaks 15 tackles, I don't know if that's sustainable come January. Again, I know I'm being hard on Drew Brees. I know I'm being hard on the Saints. But this is a team with Super Bowl aspirations. And when we get to January, marginal things like this can lose you football games in the playoffs. So, Rich, let me just ask you a question quickly, sir. So, do you think that when that when Michael Thomas comes back and maybe you can go back to a shorter pass type offense because, you know, Mike's going to run those slants, he's going to run hitches and bubbles because he's a top-tier route runner. Do you think that maybe that'll help with Drew Brees' old, old, old man armness? I think the real problem is that if the Saints' defense is going to keep giving up points, it's, it's a tennis match. And when the Saints offense breaks serve, which they did on Sunday with the Taysom Hill fumble, and that is another issue in the quarterback room, I, I think that the Taysom Hill thing is getting to a wasted play status. I mean, you saw the fumble. He had a really bad miss on play action where, yeah, he, he got the first down with his legs, but he missed a wide open receiver on a deep crossing route on a play action play. It's a situation of... If the Saints get into a shootout or like Sunday night, if the Saints get behind, if they get off script, if they're not controlling the game flow, what happens? Let's say they get the Seahawks in January. We know the Seahawks are going to score a bunch of points. It doesn't matter what defense you run out there. Can the Saints keep up in such a game? James. (laughs) (laughs) I said said it this week. All right. No, I'm glad you guys mentioned it because, listen, remember Drew Brees in, in, in preseason, somebody asked about the, the backup quarterbacks as well. Tameus is pretty good. He combined Jason Mill and Jameis Winston. didn't mean to. That was uh, obviously a malaprop, for his part. But I am with you guys. I do not think 
it is a certainty that Drew Brees finishes this season. I think if this continues to be an issue, everyone knows the window is small. This is going to be Brees' last season, maybe next year's his last year. I'm with you guys. I think Sean Payton goes, all right, if I'm going to have to make a move, you know one thing with Sean Payton, he's got the guts and audacity, Vosh, to make a move. If he has to put Jameis or Taysom in, in Hill in the game, I think he'll do it. I mean, absolutely. I mean, why would you not? I mean, and, and then it's not necessarily about who you are, but it's your, you know, your enemy. It's your opponent, right? So if I'm going against Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson has done nothing but throw touchdowns since week one, you're going to have to be in shootout mode. I don't think that Drew Brees is built for shootout mode necessarily. Now, Jameis Winston, with his youth and his LASIK surgery, he's built for a shootout mode. <laughs> so if Sean Payton really wants to be the evil genius that we think he is, sure, let Drew Brees win those games. And when it's time for those shootout games, if you play Jameis and win, how genius would that look? Two QB well, system. Good point, Richard. Continue that thought. I think you're right. Taysom Hill, they get a little mix and match here. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I, but two QBs. Maybe we're talking three QB system. We're talk, let, let's run them out play by play. Let, let, if in third down, it's Jameis time. First down, first and second down. Maybe we let uh, maybe we let Taysom and Drew get us in a manageable third down situation, and Jameis comes in on third and short, and maybe we can go deep if we need to. Fellas, this is my big problem with that though, and I promise we're going to move on after this. Every time Taysom Hill runs the ball. Kamara should be running the ball. Every time yeah. Taysom throws the ball, Drew or Jameis should be throwing the ball. That's it. Stop it. Be better. That's a, that's a fair point. And by the way, I always like Vach's vernacular. He's got a real way with words. Old manness is now joining my list of things to say when it comes to Drew Brees. Old manness. I like that. Uh, I'm convinced, fellas, Dan Quinn is dead man walking. Are you kidding me? The Falcons, they're the first team ever in NFL history you blow a 15-point lead in the fourth quarter in back-to-back -back weeks? That's inexcusable. Like, only Atlanta can find a way to lose again. Listen, Dan Quinn, man, I, I get the fact he's a great D.C. with Seattle. This team got off to a bad start last year, closed strong. I know the players like him. He's dead man walking, fellas. With apologies to Sean Penn in the movie which came out 25 years ago. Richard, Falcons, it's not going to end well. You're 0-3. DQ, it's been fun. See ya. Yeah, I think it's – the problem is I think it may be getting a little stale in Atlanta. And you think about it, the same cast of characters as far as your core cast of characters are still there from that Super Bowl run. We know that offense was incredible. It was a lot of fun to watch. But it's old wounds that keep coming up. This this is the skeleton of 28-3 to uh, over and over again. Yeah, the sirens are definitely going to be coming for Dan Quinn. They're going to get him. Botch, uh, <laughs> your thoughts on the Falcons. Just The dirty bird, it's an old bird right now. I'll tell you what, it's one thing to be a bad team and you just know that you're bad and you don't have hope. I mean, maybe fan bases can deal with that. It's It has to be rough to be a Falcons fan right now because you're actually a talented team. You're actually fun to watch and you actually almost win three times. But then you just end up losing three times. So I really don't know what Falcons fans are going through, but uh, it's looking pretty rough. They may be in that conversation for the uh, top five uh, draft picks next year, but um, I, they should be good enough to make it reasonable. Like let's let's see if we can get to you know six and ten by the end of the year. But you know if you do make a coaching change, it could be like a motivation thing. You know maybe the players are just tired of looking at Dan Quinn. Maybe your message has just gone stale. So it just may be time for a new voice there whoever is the new coach because i'm assuming that dan quinn isn't going to be employed very long whoever the new coach is would love to have matt ryan and julio jones and calvin ridley who's looking like the better of the two alabama receivers this year so i don't know we'll see about it 
Don't hey, that's a little. Are you talking I about like Jerry Messi. Judy or you're? I'm you're talking, talking about, about Jerry Calvin Judy comparing Ridley. him to Jerry Judy. Mm-mm, you're talking about Calvin Ridley being the better Alabama receiver than Julio Jones this year. Okay, so, I thought you were coming at my guy. My guy, my guy in Denver, I don't have anybody to throw to. I'm protective over him. Jerry Judy got time. Relax. He got time. All right, so those are my thoughts when it comes to Dan Quinn. Now it's time for Vodka center stage. When it comes to his convinced that, I can just feel there's about to be some hot fire being spewed in the city of Philadelphia. First and foremost, I just want to give my sincerest apologies to New York Giants fans. Week two, more football. I said, you know what? With Saquon Barkley being hurt, the Giants are maybe a 2-14 and 14 team or a 1-15 and 15 team. What I didn't understand... What I didn't realize, I am totally convinced that the Philadelphia Eagles are one of the worst football teams in this league, and the Giants at least are going to beat them twice, and they deserve at least 2-14 and 14 to 3-13. and 13. Let me tell you something, man. I almost find myself defending you guys. I almost find myself doing it. I'm like, you just won a Super Bowl less than five years ago. You just had a quarterback that was an MVP. Why are these fans so ungrateful? Why does everybody want to just be fired? Why why is is it so much booing when no fans are even in the stands? And then I saw that Bengals game. I saw how terrible that quarterback looked. I saw the play call. I saw the offensive line. I saw how terrible that product of the Philadelphia Eagles are. And don't get me wrong, man. I give the Houston Texans a hard time on this show. But at least they played a Super Bowl winner, a Super Bowl contender, and a playoff team, Pittsburgh Steelers, right? You guys have lost to the Rams, the Washington Football Wizards. They ain't even got a name. The Washington Football (laughs) Wizards, and you tie with the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that just had the first overall pick. They didn't trade up to get the first overall pick. They were just bad, and they earned the first overall pick. And you couldn't beat those teams. It's a mess over there. But this is how good Adnan Burke is, right? Because every time the Cowboys lose, I got to come on this show in Cowboy (laughs) paraphernalia, and I got to explain for five minutes of what happened to the Cowboys and why they lost. Richard got to go over there and tell us why the Jacksonville Jaguars lost. Adnan Burke comes on this show and talks about the Eagles for 15 seconds, and we move on to Tom Brady. I need you to explain yourself, sir. I need you to look me in the eye in this camera right now and tell me what's going on with the Eagles. Make it work for me, sir. Avach, it's a very veteran move. You know, you just kind of acknowledge it at the start of the show. By the way, Eagles wide receivers aren't very good. Okay, let's move on. It's like, you know, if you're running a company, I would address the stockholders. Okay, we just lost $100 million last year, but moving on, let's see how we can fix things. Bottom line is this, you can't fix the Eagles right now. You're right, they're a deplorable team. Uh, let's talk first with the play calling. Everyone keeps focusing on the fact that you're settling for a tie at home against the Bengals, which is embarrassing. But how about the fact that you're just running the ball up the gut? They got that stupid red line on CBS. We go, okay, that's field goal distance. Well, no, that's a 59-yard field goal. Field goals over 50 yards are at a 50% success rate. So it's awfully tough to think, oh, yeah, Josh, 59-yarder, no problem. Then, of course, you suffer a ridiculous five-yard penalty, and now it's 64 yards. I actually agree with Doug Peters. At that point, you just go ahead and punt the ball because if the Bengals get the ball after, you would probably miss. You make one play. Maybe they get a field goal to win the game. The bottom line is this. The Eagles are atrocious. As you mentioned, Carson Wentz has not been the same quarterback since Frank Reich left. They have no offensive playmakers. Deshaun Jackson, at the age of 33, is a shell of himself. Zach Ertz looks like a guy who cares more about getting a new contract than actually being productive. They have no balance when it comes to their run game and incorporating Miles Sanders or wherever they want to line up behind Carson Wentz. Their offensive line is terribly depleted and looks like a shell of itself. Once again, Jason Peters got hurt. And defensively, this was a team that was supposed to have a better secondary, you know, a great front seven. You give a 312 passing yards to Joe Burrow. A tie at home against the Bengals. You're now 19-18 and 18 since winning the Super Bowl. I agree with you. The Eagles are fraudulent. Even in that division, 
We all know your Cowboys are the class of the division. Yes, they're one and two, but they're only one of the best teams in the Seattle Seahawks. The Eagles, I hate to say it, are an embarrassment. Yeah, I, the the Super Bowl hangover for the Eagles lasts what three years? I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. Where I'm sitting here, uh, you know, you got Carson Wentz getting booed by cutouts uh, on on the field <laughs> at the link. I, I don't know. As far as Carson Wentz is concerned, I think some of the problems are he's not really being pushed in that quarterback room. You know, Jalen Hurts is not yet ready for prime time, and so. Who else is it? Nick Foles apparently is taking the Bears to new heights, what he couldn't do for my Jacksonville Jaguars. So, I mean, it's this Carson Wentz's show, for better or for worse. And we talked about earlier in the show how, you know, that the Super Bowl hangover is still there for the Falcons and it's a little bit stale. It's weird to think that there would be a hangover after you win the Super Bowl, but <laughs> here we are. Yeah, sometimes that happens. By the way, that Jalen Hurts pick, what a waste of pick that was. You could have used somebody else. You could have grabbed Hurts later on. Here's this luxury pick. Instead, you could have had some. Real impact player to get Jalen Hurts. I can't figure it out. Let's talk with the Pittsburgh Steelers, though, fellas. Richard, let's start with you. For years, you know, people focus on Ben Roethlisberger, and I get that. It's a quarterback-driven league. Uh, Mike Tomlin's a great coach and has been there for a while. But this defense right now, 15 sacks leads the NFL. You know, we're years removed from the years of James Harrison and Troy Polamalu. But this defense right now is turning some heads. This team is unbeaten so far. Yeah, Steelers defense, again, absurd. And when you watch this team play football, man, these guys just beat offenses over the head. We've had a record number of points. Offenses are lighting it up all over the place. Steelers haven't given up more than 21 points to anybody. And I understand they have not played the best teams in, in professional football, but they played a really good quarterback on Sunday. And oh my goodness gracious, when you turn that team, that, that game on, it looks like Deshaun Watson is laboring to get that team a first down. I mean, he's throwing touchdowns on one foot. He is standing on his head. He is doing whatever he can because the Steelers are coming for him. They have five, maybe six guys that can win one-on-one -on -one matchups and get after the quarterback. They are a force against the run. They are so fun, so fast, so aggressive. It starts up front. Tyson Alualu, career renaissance for my guy, former Jaguar. Uh, Stefan Tuitt also up there. And then all the linebackers, the absurdity uh, the amount of linebackers that they have and the amount of talent that they have at that position on defense. I don't know if the offense can take them where they truly want to go in January. We will see. We hope Ben holds up. We hope uh, Juju Smith-Schuster actually emerges as a number one receiver. But the defense, let's just watch the defense and enjoy it for as long as we have it. I tell you, man, Pittsburgh drafts really, really well, man. T.J. White is incredible. Bud Dupree's trying to get his money. That defense is fast, and they are super, super aggressive and angry. You were talking about Watson last week. If there's any impediment to, to Watson, it's, it's, it's his reading defenses. And if you're going to play against that defense, you got to read them quickly because those holes and those windows close incredibly fast. Uh, Devin Bush, right, former Michigan linebacker, kind of small and undersized, but he's bringing a lot of speed to that defense. So he's really, you know, Coming along in his, in 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 his own right, but the thing about Ben Roethlisberger, man, is I expected him to be one of these older guys. But I would say that the year off probably helped him out. You know, we see Breeze; he can't get those throws downfield, but Ben is making those big boy throws like we know him to make. And the wide receivers, man, like just a factory of wide receivers. They just and it's and it's not like they're always drafting the top guys. They're drafting wide receivers in the second, third, and fourth rounds. But they coach and they develop them and turn them into top tier guys. We had questions about Juju whether he was going to be, uh, you know, like a like a real number one receiver when Brown is gone. But he's coming into his own. So we'll see what happens. And with the Baltimore Ravens, I'm not. 
panicking right now. I mean, they lost to the best team in football possibly, but Lamar Jackson playing from behind could be an advantage that Pittsburgh could use to possibly beat them later down the line. We'll see what happens. Yeah, Ravens were disappointed with their Monday night. Specifically, Lamar Jackson as the Chiefs got the better of them. When it comes to Steelers, I love the point that Vach made about the Steelers just always drafting so well, especially when it comes to receivers. Make sure you check out the Rookie Diaries on DAZN, where I spoke to Chase Claypool. We've had a couple episodes so far on the can. The most recent episode talked to him about having the longest touchdown from scrimmage so far this year, along with Juju Smith-Schuster's dog. And what's it like right now playing on the Steelers? Check that out once again on DAZN, the Rookie Diaries. Me and Chase Claypool chopping it up. Speaking of chopping it up, that's what Russell Wilson has been doing so far for the Seattle Seahawks. He is a touchdown machine. We've come a long way. I remember being at ESPN, interviewing him on SportsCenter, and he's not much taller than I am. I'm 5'8", he's like 5'10", 5'10 We're doing the SportsCenter top 10 plays. I'm looking at baseball plays, basketball, and I asked him, I said, are you okay with all this stuff? Like, I know obviously you're a football guy. And he looked at me dead center and goes, I'll be fine. That with that kind of confidence, Russell Wilson knows I'll be fine. It doesn't matter where he is. It doesn't matter if he's in Bristol, Connecticut, or he's out on a football field. This guy is the MVP so far in the league. And Richard, right now, the Seahawks, this is the first time since 2013 they've started 3-0. That's the good news. Here's the concerning news. Their defense, their defense is the only defense ever to allow more than 1,200 passing yards through three weeks. As the French say, it's a little come see, come saw. How do you evaluate the Seahawks, Richard, and their chance of being a vaunted team with a great offense and an MVP in Wilson? but a defense that's awfully leaky and a far cry from the Legion of Boom. Yeah, let's wait till that defense gets healthy. Let's see what they can do. Look, all they have to do is sort of, you know, keep it above water. They, they don't. They just have to stop a couple times the other team's offense because Russ is cooking. The old way was for three quarters, we're going to try to ball control. We're going to try to sort of keep it between the navigational beacons. And in the fourth quarter, Russ cooks. This season, Russ is in the kitchen from the opening kick. We saw it on Sunday afternoon against Fox's Cowboys. Russell Wilson is playing at another level this season, and it is so fun to watch. And he's going to get those MVP votes come the end of the season, you betcha. Uh, But he's getting some help from a a source who is progressing. Vach, you know, we we watched, I watched DK Metcalf and Ole Miss in college. You also evaluated him coming through the draft process. We knew what he could do. We knew what he couldn't do. And, and it's crazy. The Seahawks are good professional football coaches because it's like they got him in their building and they said, hey, we're not going to make you do the things you don't do terribly well. We're going to highlight your strengths. And magically, he's playing really well. All he's got to do, hold on to the ball, a little bit tighter, my guy. Well, it's almost like they get paid money to coach players, right? I mean, look, DK Metcalf, I mean, what we what we knew about him. Okay, he's very fast. He doesn't turn very well, and he's not a great route runner. So if I get DK Metcalf, I'm not going to ask him to do any type of nuanced route running. I'm going to get him the ball short, turn into yak guy, run those guys over because you're so big and strong, and – Just run past people. Just deep ball, run past people. Russell Wilson has gotten so good. He's improved so much. And I have a theory that quarterbacks really don't get good until they're they're 30. So with Russell, he isn't just winning with his running back or winning with his defense like he used to. Russell Wilson is winning with his arm and his head now, you know? Plus, he still has the legs to kind of make it work and be magical and get away from guys, right? Alden Smith, yes, he got three sacks last year, uh, last, uh, last week, and he's leading the league in 
sex, but the Cowboys probably would have had a lot more sex if Russell Wilson wasn't so daggum ma- magical. They don't draft offensive line there, or, or they don't prioritize drafting offensive line there, and I hate that. But Russell Wilson is such a magician, maybe you don't need offensive line. You know, maybe you don't need pass pro because he's just going to make everyone else better. Maybe he just elevates everybody. So if Dak Prescott, this is me being a homer, if Dak Prescott doesn't win the MVP, then it's definitely for Russell Wilson to take. If he doesn't win the MVP, come on. Russell Wilson's winning the MVP, okay? <laughs> let's, just, let's just get that out of the way. And by the way, Pete Carroll doing a great job. He looks like a decade younger than he actually is. Just please, Pete, wear a mask, okay? Otherwise, we're going to have to find you again. I'm just here so I don't get fined. All right, don't forget, when it comes to all your great NFL action, check out Red Zone on the Zone. Seven hours of uninterrupted coverage, but there's no better place. You just gorge on football, enjoy it. Once again, Red Zone on the Zone. And fellas, Chiefs, Pats, are you kidding me? After watching Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they looked so good against the Ravens. Clearly, it was an off game for Lamar Jackson, but Mahomes was getting things done. Now against Bill Belichick, Botch. Are you kidding me? Belichick, who you know takes so much pride and so much effort in, in game planning, a great defensive plan against Mahomes. I can't wait for Chiefs Pats. How fired up are you, Botch? Oh, man, it will be exciting. Bill Belichick is a level 99 wizard, and if we know anything about him, he will make you look incredibly different. However, Last year, Pat Mahomes was probably the best quarterback in football. Last Monday, he looked even better than he was last year. So Bill Belichick's got a hell of a task in front of him, man, because that dude is on fire. How did we let the Kansas City Chiefs get all the fast players? Just all the fastest guys, right? (laughs) Like your slowest receiver is Sammy Watkins. That's insane. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it should be fun to watch. It should be a chess match kind of sort of because we know that that's what Bill Belichick likes to do. And if anything, Cam Newton is going to attempt to make it a shootout. You know, they're 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 much more vertical nowadays. So it should be fun to watch. What you think, Rich? Yeah. I, first of all, I'm not going to bet against Hoodie Belichick. And sure. I saw that line come out earlier in the week. And Hoodie Belichick is a seven point underdog. So mm. Do with that information what you will, viewers of more football. Look, Mahomes is that dude. Goat in training. This season, it's crazy because you know that scene in Jurassic Park where the Raptors try the door and and we figure out that the Raptors know how to open doors now? I mean, yeah, it's it's like Mahomes just keeps going, keeps going, keeps evolving. But I cannot wait to see how the Chiefs try to test this Patriots defense. Patriots defense is not what it was last season. Lost some guys linebacker, lost some guys on the defensive line. We know about all the opt-outs, et cetera, for the Patriots. So how do the Patriots hold up against these Chiefs who are coming at them, absolutely coming at them? And then on the other side of the ball, of course, how do the Chiefs defense stand up against the Pats offense? We know the Chiefs do a lot of uh, cover zero blitzes, just like the Pats. We know the Chiefs are going to have a ton of guys in the box close to the ball. That's going to help them in defending the Patriots' QB run game. How does Josh McDaniels and Cam Newton adjust? I cannot wait for this football game. Completely with you guys. How about Bills and Raiders, Richard? The Bills, listen, at 2-0, you were like, all right, I want to, they're going to show me something, right? Listen, you haven't really played strong competition, and now Josh Allen continues to prove how good he is at 3-0. The Raiders, Botch was saying previously, that's a surprise team considering where you thought Gruden and company might be. This is a surprisingly good matchup here, Bills and Raiders. Yeah, you know, the Raiders last week, I think we saw that the Patriots sort of made them play with one arm behind their back. Darren Waller, two catches, four targets, nine yards, no touchdowns. Bill Belichick said, you're not throwing to Darren Waller. Deal with it. And they couldn't. 
Uh, as far as the Bills, Vach Lombardi, you got to put some respect on Josh Allen's name. He mm-hmm. has absolutely gotten better. We can't sit here and say that he hasn't. Brian Dabble, that offensive coordinator, he's coaching his tail off. Uh, the, the the almost loss to the Rams last week, I don't think that was on Josh Allen. Now, yes, the, the interception that he threw was some vintage uncut Josh Allen, but the next two drives where the Rams defense was able to get the Bills off the field, those weren't on Josh Allen. Josh Allen doesn't block Aaron Donald. And, and you know, we don't want to see that because uh, Aaron Donald would seriously make some hay. I really do think the Bills are getting better. I really do think Josh Allen is a guy that, that you can consistently win with. I refuse to say anything nice about Josh Allen and Bill's Mafia, quote-unquote. I'm kidding. Um, What I will (laughs) say about Josh, though, right, when Josh is doing the right things, he can win you ball games. It's just that sometimes he likes to run around the circle, close his eyes, and just throw the ball deep downfield without looking. We can't have that. But once the game slows down for him a little bit more, then he won't do those things. In my mind, I thought that it was going to be very run-heavy in terms of, hey, we're going to give Singletary the ball 18 times. We're going to give Zach Moss the ball 18 times. Well, Josh gets his carries, but Josh also gets his throw. So don't get me wrong. I'm a hater because of social media fan interaction, but Josh Allen is definitely getting like he's he's no bus driver let me just say that he's actually winning them football games plus that defense is always going to be tough um and in terms of you know i almost said oakland but the raiders i mean you just have to tackle those dudes man like like josh jacobs is a guy that you have to deal with and the more the game goes on the harder he is to tackle so it's just which semi-conservative not so explosive but could be explosive game plan ends up working um i think if you're just honest with who you have at quarterback you can win win ball games. Derek Carr, you are not the star. Your running back is. Josh Allen, you seem to be the star, but don't play hero ball. And if they just go by that, it should be a surprisingly good game. I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah I think both these teams are sort of uh, complementary-ish in, in the fact that they want to sort of control the clock to a point, particularly with the Raiders, uh, and let the defense sort of play as well as it can look the bills had three drive three drives on sunday that went 11 plays or more i mean the bills are efficient on offense and they are able to sort of matriculate the ball down the field and and hold on to the ball and and keep that off uh, keep that defense fresh i should say i love the shout out to brian dable that richard gigs i think he's been critical as far as game planning obviously learned at the temple of saban he's done a great job with unleashing josh allen and Stephon Diggs has been absolutely huge for them. Now that you have a burner, a playmaker, he adds a different element of explosiveness. You always knew Josh Allen had athleticism, but if he can start throwing the ball downfield with regularity and accuracy, that's a different story. Final game, fellas, we close things up. Watch how about the Chargers and the Buccaneers? Not a great matchup, but almost feels like under the radar, Tom Brady's now 2-1 through three touchdown passes a week ago. They beat the Chargers. All of a sudden, Tampa Bay's 3-1. What's your feel on the Chargers and the Bucs? Well, if I don't fall asleep on it, it should be interesting just to find different, you know, different parts of the game that I would like. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily excited about the Chargers offense, but last week Keenan Allen had 19 targets. So if you're a fantasy football nerd, <laughs> that's insane. Um, Austin Eckler has not dropped the pass. Like, that's interesting. So I just kind of want to see how Justin Herbert gets better. What's he going to do to take that next step? Um, he can continue to win with his legs. And he's putting points on the board. He's looking poised. He's looking like he belongs here you know you just have to clean up the rookie young man things and on the other side of the ball there's Tom Brady and 
you know, I used to wrestle Gronk, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Mike Evans has like what he had like two touchdowns on two catches for two yards last week, something insane like that. So if he's going to be the goal line threat, it is what it is. Uh, Chris Godwin <laughs> is going to be out with a hamstring, I believe. So you know, maybe that'll help out with the charges or whatnot. So I don't know. I'll 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 take bucks because I don't want to take charges, but I'm not going to hop on this Tom Brady train this year. Well, the Bucks. I, I think you seeing the Bucks are sort of coming together. They're sort of gelling. Uh, you know, the Panthers game, the receivers dropped like three touchdowns of to Tom Brady. I think you're seeing that the Bucks are coming together, and and they're looking like I think what we thought they were going to be. And they have time, particularly with this schedule, uh, now that they're sort of out of the Saints game. I don't think anybody's really expecting the Chargers to win this game. I think we want to see some progress for Justin Herbert. I think this is a a, a real measuring stick. For the Chargers, I think when you have a game like it's against the Chiefs, the Chiefs were not expecting Justin Herbert. They didn't know what he was going to do. You're kind of playing with house money in that game. But the Bucs now have film on Justin Herbert. <laughs> the Bucs now know how the Chargers want to attack with Justin Herbert. So this is a good team, a good defense that has game planned for you. So as the Chargers, what can you do against this defense? How many points can you store, score? How good can you look? By the way, on the topic of Justin Herbert, I saw a typo the other day, Justine Herbert. It reminded me of uh, Jim Rome when he was calling Jim Everett Chris Everett. I go, wait, is someone doing this on purpose or what's going on with that? Bottom line is this, Chargers and Bucks, the Bucks should win. Uh, as always, make sure you check out the zone for all the football. You can watch these condensed games, 40 minutes, you never miss a play. The Rookie Diaries, once again, myself and Chase Playful and also Neville Gower, just recording with him of the Dallas Cowboys, his journey to the NFL, what's it been like playing for Vach's Cowboys? And as always, get your fantasy football fix. It is the lineup with Steven Sohoyos and Wesley Chang. Those guys do a phenomenal job. If you're into fantasy football, seriously, check out the lineup. Those guys, Steven and Wesley, are awesome. So are my guys. For Richard Johnson, Vach Lombardi, Ahmad Nambrook, thank you so much for checking out more football. Follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, and we'll see you next time.